0: hot take hot take a lot of hot takes <laughs> noah noah gave that what was it an olive olive ranch she gave it to a big old slug <laughs> <laughs> slug brought it back oh my gosh <laughs> no
1: just to a big swole dude who could run so fast he could just run on water like he just <laughs> 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 you know <laughs>
2: but um yes we are way off
1: Good morning, good evening, all of my friends out there in the Super Agile Bros family. All of my family in the Super Agile Bros family. You're more than friends. Uh, Just welcome to another episode of Super Agile Bros. You already know who it is. It's your boy, Bradston. And of course, we got our boys in the building, our brothers in the building. First up, we
2: got our boy, Kyle, my brother Kyle. How you doing, sir? We are here. I am doing great today i like that the new intro it kind of reminded me of like the the daily stand-ups where you're with like the international team and you have to say oh yes yes. all the time zones good morning yes good good morning
1: (laughs) central standard time eastern standard time mountain i see you pst (laughs) i see you and of course introducing the boy the brother himself steve how you doing today steve
0: you know we're not actually like in the building we're in the building we're not. This, this is
1: our building. <laughs>
0: yeah, on this the is world. Our place. Our, our building time. is on the world. It's not in the. World. We are England. Have you guys seen the king? <laughs> the Become king. England. Make the space between you, England. That I, a weird I, speech.
1: I, 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 that is an interesting speech.
2: <laughs> how yeah. do you? How do you do that?
0: You know, uh, I mean, he was saying this to a bunch of men who thought they were about to die. So. Uh, you know, you say anything you want as long as it sounds hype, I guess. That's what I'm saying. I feel like standards
1: for uh, epic speeches back in the day were low. You just had to say a thing before battle. <laughs> well, Don't yeah, forget I the mean, peaches! Don't forget the peaches!
0: They didn't have, you know, media covering every word, every slip up. and true, true. They didn't have Twitter out here roasting <laughs> people live. Just, and no
2: speakers... So the people in the back didn't know what they were saying. He was
0: like, "Yeah, they just assumed it sounded good."
2: <laughs> you have like, all that enthusiasm; it must be great. You have like yeah. Genghis Khan
1: tweeting out, "About to go into battle, throwing dead bodies <laughs> over the over the wall right now." You know, so you know. Can you imagine tag like, hype?
0: <laughs> when do you think they started having tra- like translators doing like sign language? I know, like it feels like I only, only did that recently, where people would actually be next to someone who was doing a speech and signing the speech oh. but i wonder like if it ever happened back in the day i guess american sign language isn't even that old no no i feel
1: like i feel like literally most of the things that are like actually for people who have any type of disability or anything happened in the last like 50 years <laughs> you know like yeah. it, it, otherwise you just had to figure it out like no, oh you're blind good luck
0: oh you're well, we, all, we all know people didn't have disabilities before yes. about 70 or 80 true. years ago so they didn't need that kind of stuff
2: yes 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 very true very true that's that's they came with the industrial revolution that's, that's right that's, that's when people
0: started getting cancer history started being autistic you know know, know your
2: history fam
1: know your history no we know what, yes you got to know the truth you know
0: birds aren't real yeah birds are new if yes. you
2: have a history test, come here first. First, super agile. They family.
0: retroactively added birds to the Bible just <laughs> yeah. to you know cover They didn't text. exist. They Ooh, didn't. hot take, hot take, hot take. A lot of hot takes. <laughs> Noah Noah gave that. What was it? An olive olive branch? She gave it to a big old slug. <laughs> <laughs> slug brought it back. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no,
1: just to a big swole dude who could run so fast he could just run on water like he just <laughs> you know. <laughs> But um yes, we're way off topic. Our our hot talk, hot takes are so so hot hot garbage. But um, <laughs> so to get on today's topic, so you might have already seen the title. Maybe you haven't. But today we're going to talk about games. You like that? We're going to talk about games. Unique topic. Nobody's ever done it before. <laughs> the first time. <laughs> the first ever, time ever. ever. ever the first place you'll ever hear. But honestly, what we're going to talk about today is what makes a perfect game. Or maybe maybe another way to say it is what makes a game a 10 out of 10. So, for me personally where this comes from and you know, I suggested this topic to the brothers was uh there's been a game that recently came out that's been kind of rocking the game world, right? Uh Elden Ring and it's been getting a lot of 10 out of 10s and a lot of perfect scores and There was some discussion within the Super Agile Bros Discord about it, kind of people giving their opinions, and I figured it'd be a good topic to cover because, you know, as far as I know, us three in this brotherhood have not played Elden Ring, but we've played other games that have gotten 10 out of 10s. We've probably ourselves rated other games 10 out of 10, or perfect games. So I figured it'd be a good conversation to talk about. So I guess let me ask you guys straight out the, I guess, gate. Is there a thing, in your opinion, as a 10 out of 10 game or a perfect game? That's we'll, we'll base level. See where, you know, do you guys think it's possible to
2: be a perfect game or a 10 out of 10? Hmm, That's an interesting question. I think for anything to be perfect in its own right, it has to have a very specific, I guess. The criteria has to be well known or definitely not like questionable what what its goals were Mm. because I don't Mm. think there can be a game that's the perfect game for everyone and in every genre. It's perfect, you know, for every audience is perfect. I don't think that's possible, but for a game that fits a niche, appeals to a genre and set out to do something and accomplishes it well, I think a game in that right, and an experience in general really, could be perfect. Cool, cool. How about you, Steve?
0: Yeah. Um, I will say I think that for the most part, the perfect game is going to be subjective because there's going to be some... I mean, people are just going to have preferences, right? Even if you say, oh, well, I just don't like this genre, that's one thing. It could still be a perfect game for that genre, for the people who do like that genre. Mm. Yeah. But I think that there's probably some things that people just won't like. Like maybe I like a game that's really open and where the weapons are breakable. Maybe I think Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a perfect game. But maybe some people are just so delicate and prissy and spoiled and they think, oh, their weapons Ooh. should never break mm. and it should just be easy and do don't have to think about things.
1: You know, maybe that's that's how it is. Wow, wow, that's, that that seems very personal. <laughs> you got something you want to say, Steve? <laughs> you know, yeah. You ca- call Put it? your Dukes up, I guess.
0: <laughs> Put
1: up you want to call out somebody by name? I mean, I, I don't know what's going on here, but <laughs> I don't know. Somehow, I feel offended, and I actually There's like breakable. too many people to name. There's I, too many. I people. like breakable weapons, but that's a whole other problem. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I feel y'all both. I think you know, as as I was thinking about just now, um, I feel like. Of course, the perfect game doesn't exist. Nothing perfect exists, right? Like we all know this. But I do think that the concept of perfect game or perfect anything is like you said subjective, but also it's something that achieves the thing that it like was trying Set to, out do. to do. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like for sure. Like there's games that I personally don't like the the gameplay or I don't like you know, for whatever reason, that I can still respect for being the perfect example of that type of game. Like when you see it and you know you play it, and you're like, "Wow, this is like if they were trying to really do a thing." Like for me, like I know, like the uh, and, and maybe we don't have to get into game. Well, I guess we could start this conversation and just get into it. But but the, what I really let's mean, get into it. Let's get into it. Is like for me, like for example, the original Walking Dead. And in its time, what it was trying to do and what it was trying to achieve really felt like the perfect game in in its own way. First of all, I actually don't think it's a 10 out of 10 game. I've played Mm. it and there's some things that I personally don't like about it from a gameplay perspective, particularly when they take you away from the kind of like choice driven narrative type situation. When they want you to do like kind of quick time events, didn't really enjoy those that much. But I think what it was trying to do and evoke a feeling of like making decisions that matter, that have impact, and that you walk away from like almost, I don't want to say you're changed, but it makes you like reflect on yourself. I feel like it's the perfect game, like in the sense of like really making you decide, man, this is a bad or like there's sometimes in life there aren't the, there isn't the right choice. This is just a choice that you have to make. And I feel like, you know, The Walking Dead, um, particularly the Telltale games, the first season um, really did that in my personal perspective, like mm-hmm. perfect. So I say I'll just say you, like, wait, yeah.
0: Go, finish your thought. But before you continue to the next thought, I wanted to interject.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, all I was going to say is so that's what I mean by like, I think a game can be perfect. But it has, it, but it's really just about what it's trying to achieve. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, now, yeah, based on what you've said, you've kind of jingled something inside of me, deep, deep inside. Uh oh. And so I want to say that if there is That's such a thing as a perfect was. game, I think a lot of games can actually meet that standard. And what that would mean for me is, like you said, based on what the developers set out to do, based on the. The decisions they make, if those are implemented well, and there's probably some wrong decisions. Like, oh, I made this decision. It's just objectively wrong. But in terms of like more subjective decisions, I would say as long as it's perfectly implemented, Mm. then, you know, in every aspect, like if the writing evokes what you wanted it to evoke, the story is interesting. If the characters are interesting, if you want them to be interesting, you know, if, um, if, 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 whatever, if the movement feels good, if the mechanics are balanced, you know, all these things, if the art evokes what it needs to and it mm-hmm. looks good and it's not gross looking, and it, if the performance is good, right, like everything runs the way it's supposed to, there's not bugs, then I think that that can have, be a perfect game. And there's a few games I've played that are like that. Okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to hear about some of those and, and why you would rate them as perfect. Um So, so, Kyle, were you about to add something? I, th-
2: I thought I heard you about to say something. No, I'm just over here thinking, I guess, about really what class what can be classified as a perfect game based on what you guys are saying, because I don't think a perfect game is necessarily flawless. Mm-hmm. You know, usually when we when we say perfect, it, it everything about it, you know, there's no errors in it. But I think there are perfect games like Steve was kind of touching on that have elements that people don't like. And maybe it's, you know, that subjectivity within the group of people who think it's a perfect game. They all have their little nuances about Mm -hmm. it because it is at the end of the day, individual decisions made to make the game as a whole perfect. But, you know, maybe there's like you were saying about Telltale, there's moments that kind of take you out of the experience that you want from the game. But as a whole, there's so much of, there's so many opportunities for the experiences you do like within the game. And maybe there aren't games that um, offer that same experience that makes it, you know, maybe due to scarcity, a perfect version of that game. Yeah. A lot of contributing factors to what makes a game perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would say that I think a game, a game can be flawless, so that doesn't mean everyone likes it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think a yeah. perfect game isn't necessarily a game that everyone likes, but it's a game that, you know, it. like Brad was saying, it does what it sets out to do flawlessly. And,
1: and, and you know it's interesting? I feel like there's there's this this idea of flaws. Like, I think it's like when a game feels like... You ever heard somebody say, like, oh, like... Like, uh, we'll talk a little bit about game journalism at some point, or maybe you talk about it now, it doesn't really matter. But, like, sometimes... I've said this before, like, you'll watch a review or read a review about a game and the reviewer, the game journalist, is just bagging on the game. Like, oh, mm-hmm. is this is and this aiming is weird, and the characters feel wonky, and da-da-da-da. And then uh-huh. they'll get to the end in their summary, and they'll be like, but this game does something that no other game has ever done. This mm-hmm. game has made me blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. And I give this game a 9.5 out of 10. You know? I give this game a really high rating. And I think like a really a perfect game to me is like a game that it sits with you in a way like it evokes something i i don't even want to say it evokes a feeling like happy crying tears or something but it you walk away from it and like like okay another perfect game for me is stardew valley okay like it's it's hard for me to like walk away from stardew valley and not feel like okay this one dude made this game right he's clearly an interesting character <laughs> if you play mm-hmm. the game. But but the things that he does with it, like consider especially considering the time that we live in, right? With games with high fidelity, really interesting gameplay, really mm-hmm. like awesome animations, incredible music. To make this game that feels almost like like the bare minimum of what you need to make a game. Like, but it feels exactly like what you want like right now Shailene's playing Stardew right like and we've been playing Stardew together and I started a Stardew game on my Switch and I started a game on my PS5 or PS4 and I have played with my sister and I played with Kyle and I played with all these people and the experience to me is like a miniature like it's like gameplay first like it's like it yeah. takes away a lot of the fluff like yeah, there's kind yeah. of a story, but the story doesn't really matter. Yeah, there's kind of characters that have, like, whatever, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, there's, like, right. fishing mechanics, but it really doesn't matter. Because it's really the the totality in the whole of the experience. And, yeah, the game has some really, really annoying RNG, like most games. Yeah, mm-hmm. ha- <laughs> like, the time system where you have to go through a whole day sometimes can be very, like, brutal, um, but I think that like those imperfections kind of almost make it even more desire that flawed, that flawed sure. approach. You know what I'm
0: saying? I would oh, yeah. even wonder since we're talking about that. I even would go so far as to say that maybe feeling annoyed while you're playing is not indicative of an imperfection, right? Mm. Like losing should be annoying uh that's a fair point you, you know point, like yeah. um, there are there are such things as negative emotions like you don't you don't get mad at a book when you read it and it makes you sad <laughs> um, or if at a game actually when you when you play it and it yeah. makes you sad like some people don't want to be sad and they won't play those games but that doesn't mean that being annoyed or frustrated as long as it's like that's not what the game is there's some <laughs> well actually no even then i i think about that game getting over it with, with, ben with Foddy. Bennett mm-hmm. Bennett Foddy, yeah. yeah, that's a game that thrives on because just murdering you with frustration, huh. <laughs> and people voice. love it. Yeah, I let me—I don't know if people actually love it. I think it's really interesting to watch, and so it took off on on Steam, not Steam on on streamings. The game's but a meme. I yeah, and so without that, I wonder how popular the game would be. But there, are, there's definitely a subset of people who like to be. You know like to be frustrated, I think they want they'll say, "Oh, I like getting over a challenge. No, I think you like to be frustrated because <laughs> you spend most of that game not getting over the challenge, yeah, that's a good point because yeah, I
2: forgot which studio but or maybe it wasn't the studio, but just the the community, but they've coined a term that they label on some games that's like I think it's something around frustrating but fair hmm. Or something mm-hmm. along those lines, and uh, one of the earliest games I heard it on was Donkey Kong Country, mm. where yeah, oh, a lot of that. people really loved the Donkey Kong Country games on the Super Nintendo, and the and those games were like frustratingly hard, and the minecart levels are infamous because <laughs> it was impossible to do them on the first try. You couldn't react yeah. to things. You he had did. you had to lose. And memorize it. <laughs> he had to
0: burn so many lives on those levels.
2: You mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And then people were torn because Tropical Freeze and these last couple Donkey Kong countries that came out were amazing games. Visually stunning. The platforming is incredibly tight, mm. but they left so many of those, I guess, hallmarks of the original Donkey, Country, Donkey Kong countries intact. Sorry for a little spoiler there. Uh, Brad, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so... <laughs> But uh, because they left those hallmarks in there, people were torn, you know, should we be allowing Nintendo to make frustratingly hard games out of Donkey Kong Country like they used to? Or should they be meeting us halfway now? Because we're in a new era. People play different games. People play games differently, arguably. Eh, I don't know what that really means. I mean, but...
0: I think that's a pretty lame argument, specifically around Donkey Kong, because it's like if that's what Donkey Kong always has been, why should Nintendo change the formula? And there's so many other games that are easy.
1: Yeah, yeah and actually, I think in the long well, run, not a lot. There's made. not a lot of platformers actually, but yeah.
0: there's a lot of, there's there's not a lot of games that people can play to feel like they played Donkey Kong when they were kids. True. So I mean, let Nintendo make the games that people want to play. Not everyone's going to play them, obviously. But
1: yeah, it's it's interesting because I think like the idea of like a really great game at all is always uh in context of the time that it's been created right like it's it's hard if you go back and play like the original super mario brothers like it's yeah. a it's it's an okay game now right like mm-hmm. if anything you're not going to play it for anything other than nostalgia or if you're trying to speed run it Or if you've never played it and you just want to see what it's like. It's kind of like a historical thing. But like, I think if games tried to invoke, quote unquote, the feeling that that game created a long time ago, they would be getting low ratings. And I think it's because like over time, like anything, any craft, if it's art or dance or sports or whatever, it evolves with the mm-hmm. the people who play it, and I, and I, and I understand like the Donkey Kong. Like for example, one of my favorite games back in college was Mega Man. I think nine. And
0: if you've ever played Mega Man, Mega Man is
1: brutal, son. You're talking about yes. how like
0: Donkey Kong. I'm still mad about the the 15 minutes I played at your house. That
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it is brutal. <laughs> I feel like if there's a game that I should do a stream of it should be should be that game because it's just like it's so brutal and it do like, it it'll break your spirit and um so mega man nine there's like there's like this particular room right and you <laughs> you you know mega man if you don't know about Mega Man it's all about just shooting left right moving left right and like not touching obstacles because you like will die instantly and there's this one room where it was like a room where all of the walls were lined with spikes, insta kills right and, Great. But what happened was there was a platform in the middle of the room that was attached to the ceiling by a mechanism that allowed the platform to sway left to right, depending on your momentum, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a pendulum type thing. Now, like I said, all of the, the walls are lined with spikes. But directly under the platform is one little narrow slit that is that goes to the next room. That pathway that slit down is also lined with spikes. <laughs> so you need to like drop down like a pinball and avoid the spikes yeah. everywhere. So you have, oh, to, wow. you have to move the platform left and right and left and right and left and right. And perfectly time your jump so the, the platform is moving to one direction and you can fall straight down between the middle of the slots and not get Whew. down the pathway and not get hit by spikes. Now, the first time I did it that level, I did it perfectly. Like I had made it through everything, there's stuff before it, and I got there, and on my first try, I dropped straight down. Right? Hey. And then I went on and I like got killed by the boss or something. So I had to come back yes. around and do the whole level. Oh no. Talk about six hours later.
2: <laughs> <sighs> Man. That
1: that room became the bane of my existence. Like the Gosh. absolute bane. And I I hated it, right? But also, I loved it because of that's what the game is. But at the same time, I don't really want to play that now. Like, I don't... Like, I really enjoyed that experience, but I honestly just am like, bro, I don't got it in me.
2: Why, through it, why go through it again? Like,
1: exactly. And yeah. and I feel like, though this is not a perfect illustration of what the newer era of games do, it's like making easy modes and stuff like that, I just feel like there's some experiences that in order like we're all growing up and we're older like i cannot spend six hours in a room with spikes all over the walls just to make progress you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm, i'm done with the game you know so i feel like the gaming industry to really be the more perfect game has to like cater to me you know what i'm saying
0: that uh that reminds me of a conversation i might have brought it up before but i have a friend who you may know actually you probably don't know but uh he once made the argument to me that he this is a guy who I think he only plays games that are like decades old. Okay. I have played Smash Bros with him. I think we played Brawl together. Maybe we played Melee, uh, like in the last couple of years, which isn't that surprising. People do play st- still play Melee, mm-hmm. but this guy is like has his whole room like set up with all these old consoles. I went to his house and he was like, check it out. He was playing Metal Slug. And I'm like oh nice dude i mean yeah on one hand like nice very cool but on the other hand i'm like the newest game i've ever seen him play was last of us mm. and that was when it came out to his credit but i don't think he's played a new game wow <laughs> i don't know what he does wow but so this guy this guy made the argument that games he he said he doesn't believe that games age he's like what does it mean for a game to age well or not well, or to not age well and I'm like, well, you know, you play an old game and then compared to newer games it either still holds up and it's still fun mm-hmm. or it doesn't. That's what it means. And he's like, but all games that haven't changed, like it's still just as fun as it was. And I just couldn't, I couldn't break that. I couldn't bridge that gap with him. I was like, no, it doesn't feel the same <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't play Donkey Kong Country like I used to because <laughs> as a kid my mentality was just totally different, totally different. and the yeah. game industry is totally different. Like,
2: And I think so. there's a, a difference in you kind of touched on this a little bit Brad, that the audience now like having to cater to different people, you know, back then when they were making those games, maybe they had people who were gamers for a decade or two in some respect, mm-hmm. but not in the way now, if someone has been playing games for 20 years, yeah, True. It's it's a completely different type of person who's been playing for two decades. Like, the expectations are different. Hmm. The types of games they've had access to are different uh, beyond fidelity, but just the improvements that games have made in controllers and in multiplayer, different styles of playing. You know, there's all these different other variables that weren't really... Like, so many games were just played with a, a singular joystick for... A, a great a great portion of the people who say played. it ain't so yeah <laughs> and maybe we'll revert to that one day because it was better but no i just kidding um so you know it's just <laughs> it, it's a huge like there's so many th- and there's things that you can't even it's hard to just even account for some of these things that people are experiencing playing games nowadays when there used to be just a small pool of the games that were available and within that a small a small variety of ways you could even play
1: it's so interesting that you say that i've never thought about that before that like that not like i've thought about the idea that we are all aging as gamers so we have different expectations and time constraints and ability and so on and so forth but i've never thought about it like how does a person like think of a game okay let's take like horizon zero dawn right how does a person who's been playing games for 20 years of their life view Horizon Zero Dawn versus a person who's this might be their second or third game that they've ever played in their life, right? Maybe they're oh, you know yeah. like it's wildly different. You know, it's wildly different. So like to be able to create a game nowadays that can truly like capture a wide audience of like who's just starting to play and who's has like 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 I I will play you, you guys know this experience you'll play a game and you don't even necessarily need to know the controls you no. don't necessarily need to know what the objectives are but you can kind of just figure out the most optimal way like for example I complained like a episode or two ago or a podcast or two ago about Spider-Man right and mm-hmm. I was saying I was struggling with the combat and it's so interesting, like, I, I still struggle a little bit with the combat sometimes. I just get worked. But I, 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 I haven't died many times, like, maybe three or four times in the whole gameplay, right? I actually
0: have a thought about that if you, if you but, want to talk about it later. But
1: it's interesting because, like, one of the, the mechanics that they introduce to you is swinging, right? Throughout the city, right? And... When I first started playing, like, I kind of didn't pay attention to the controls. I just knew I hold R2 to swing. I press A to kind of jump at the at some point. I uh, press circle or, or square or whatever to do my little dash. And then, oh, I found out later that if I click down L3, I do a quick dive, right? And, oh, yeah, if I press R2 and L2 at the same time, I can, like, you know, shoot to a certain point, right? And then yeah. jump off it. And at first, it's kind of like... Like, I'm not really super hardcore caring about the movement. I'm just trying to get through. I like Spider-Man. I, if the movement was even more janky, I'd probably still like it. <laughs> but, um, bro, now I'm playing the game and it's like, it's like I'm on some other, other level. Like, I'm over here, like, just casually talking to Shailene and I'm over here mm-hmm. swinging, boom, doing the little jumping off points, doing little side flips because I got that move now. And then I'm like zipping, zipping. Like, there's a period of time where I was just above all of the, 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 the buildings for, like, a solid, like, solid minute. Just finding a way to never, like, have to really swing. You know? Yeah. And I feel like that comes from years and years and years of practice. So, for me, how I view the swinging mechanic in the game and how I'd rate it is probably so different from somebody who's just, like, trying to acclimate. You know what I'm saying? Like, with yeah. the game and how they would rate it, you know? <laughs> Where's the X button?
2: Yeah. I, uh... <laughs>
0: So, Kiesha's been playing Super Mario Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. and uh, Well, she's been playing a little. I think she pretty much stopped in the last week. But She was fighting one of the first Brutals. Hmm. And this is a boss where you essentially have to throw your hat at her and you knock her hat off. And then when she's stunned, um, yeah, yeah. you jump on her head. Yeah. Um, and so, when she stunned her, she didn't know what to do. She like, kept throwing the hat at her. And even though the animation was clearly, like, like the girl was, like, stunned. So, she's not moving. She has a little, like, woo-woo-woo mm-hmm. around her
2: head. Yeah, the star. And
0: then when she hits her with the hat, nothing happens. It just stays like that. And I'm like, you're supposed to jump on her head. Because I just, I just told her that. Because, you know, yeah. she's not going to know otherwise. She doesn't play a lot of Mario where you jump on everything. So, she does that. But she can't. I mean, she does, she does succeed. But she had a lot of trouble consistently jumping on the head. Mm. She would jump over her head. She would jump in front, like jump and land in front of her. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, just it was frustrating to watch. Honestly, I was like, just jump on her head (laughs) Um, because to her the controls aren't intuitive. She's like, I have to think about what directions I'm pushing. Yeah, and she she can't just automatically. You know, account for like you know, would you jump in the air in a video game? You have some control over the airspeed, and you hold the button and do this or that. Uh, she couldn't do that, so she was. I was. Either, she had to either because she was always holding forward when she jumped, mm-hmm. or she wasn't holding it enough. She couldn't like adjust on the fly. Mm-hmm. She had to either like get the the, the positioning right, you know, from the initial before she jump. jumped at all, yeah. mm-hmm. or just fail entirely. And so eventually, she learned like to get the spacing right. Um, and it was also funny because she had learned a few like trick throws with the hat. There was one throw where you, you just spin the hat and it goes around you in a, in a spiral Mm -hmm. and in a battle that's not really like effective, but she kept doing it, trying to like hit these projectiles coming towards her with the spiral throw. And I'm like, just throw it, man. Just, just walk (laughs) towards it and throw it. Um, and so it was interesting that like without that intuition and without that experience, she didn't have the knowledge to know, like, this isn't really effective or the best way to go about this. Um, She just kind of did what was flashy or what she remembered in the moment.
2: Man. Yeah. And that just goes to show, like, because I remember playing Odyssey for the first time. And, you know, I'd played a bunch of platformers to that point. But it's something that we kind of take for granted if we've been playing games for a while. It's like expectations and game sense. You know, and I don't know how you account for that either because I think that's one of the things that might be the cause for why a lot of games and still do have lackluster tutorials is because at this stage of the game, this far into the lineage of games being like part of just society, it's hard not to um, assume yeah. certain things about the players like they should know where this is but like Brad said earlier you know there's still people who are playing games for the first time probably every day you know mm-hmm. i would i mean it's got to be every day because some some people are you know they're turning 3 years old so
0: they're not going to play <laughs> a game until you know so it, it yeah. has
2: to be so
0: one of one of my friends who will remain unnamed Say has name. a nephew and he was low-key talking trash about his nephew because of the way the kid plays Pokemon. And he was like, yeah, he just spams attacks. He just, he spams A and he skips all the conversations when he's oh. to NPCs. He, um, I think it was something silly, like he catches every, po- he tries to catch every Pokemon or, uh, oh, he just throws Pokeballs at Pokemon before they're weak. He doesn't con- understand the concept of, like, weakening a Pokemon before throwing a Pokeball at it. So he, like, <laughs> uses all his Pokeballs up. Man. And, he, um, and he gets mad because it doesn't work. And he was like, yeah, this kid stinks at games. I'm like, I think he's just a kid. are all <laughs> like that. Like, he, he, um, he fundamentally stinks at life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this kid stinks at paying taxes. <laughs> he's never done it in his life. But, yeah, yeah. I... Uh, Yeah,
1: you know experiences are different yeah i I think it's interesting because like that's why maybe i wonder i wonder i I mean i am not like as deep in the game like reviews and journalism as i used to be back in the day but i know for sure at least when i was into it like you weren't a game journalist if you weren't somebody who was like deep into games, right? Like you loved them, you'd play a lot of them, mm-hmm. and like you just wanted to be associated to games. But maybe you didn't think you would be a game developer, or you didn't want to make games, so you became a game. You're journalist.
0: You were passionate about it. Yeah, you're passionate because it wasn't about it. as lucrative
1: back then as it is now. Yeah, like now it's a it's a legit thing, you know. Like Game Informer kind of set the the pace, GameSpot, um, you know, I can name a few game trailers. So. um... I think it's interesting because a lot of the reviews, like, for example, let's take Elden Ring, right? Elden Ring got 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Everybody. Everybody, everybody. And 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 as you guys know, I was a bit skeptical about that, right? Because I'm like, mm, what's, the, what's the chances that this game is really a 10 out of 10 by everybody? Now, it might be perfect a perfect game. It might be a perfect <laughs> game. I haven't played it, but that's just me in general because... I've played enough games. Like, for example, I say this all the time, but Skyward Sword was rated a 10 out of 10. And there's no play, there's no way. I don't, no I, 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 I just can't objectively feel, and I love Zelda. I really do. I cannot objectively give that game a 10 out of 10. It has to be like biased, or you're doing a time crunch. So, all the terrible things about the game, you know, trying to get the review out, they don't feel terrible because you don't have, you know, it's a different perspective. But anyway. I say that to say, like, these people who are doing game journalism are people who are probably like us. Played games for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you know, five plus years. But I have a feeling that their their reviews don't reflect, like, the lower end of the spectrum, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel that when I was, I was a kid, the reviews kind of felt like they still matched me. Because even if you were a little bit older than me, maybe you're 20, 25, even 30 you'd probably only been playing games for as long as me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I right, started right. with the Nintendo, you know? I was four, you know, and I was trash. I was, I was that, you know, whoever that is, nephew, you know? But I, <laughs> pretty much, like, it's almost like a second language to me. You can give me a control and I won't look at it. If they tell me to do something on the screen, I don't have to look down at the controller. It's like a part of me, right? Like, from the Xbox to PlayStation. But anyway... My point is, like, I feel like there's probably... Everything except ZL and ZR. ZL and ZR. Oh, my God, that please. That's just... That's not even... Worst buttons in any
0: control, water <laughs> control. You know? Um,
1: Absolutely. But but really, my point is that, like, I feel like game journalism is kind of becoming a thing like... Oh, it's kind of like movie critics, where movie critics, like, review games I mean review movies differently than the <laughs> audience that watches them like they'll be like this. Uh-huh. like Adam Sandler movies always get a 1 out of 10 a 2 out of 10 right but Adam Sandler movies stay making buku bucks all like, the money people and they're so they're smartly written they're
0: funny yeah
1: so, so it's like a disconnect now from Usually. the ratings mm-hmm. and like the people who actually are like you know what I'm saying
2: yeah because the angle you take it uh, when you're a critic versus a consumer, I think is fundamentally different in a lot of cases. And so people who make the transition from consumer to critic are probably the most, probably the closest you'll get. And so I think, you know, back in the day when critics were, had to be gamers, yeah, you know, then that's why reviews felt more genuine. But now, you know, the, the best writers are the critics, the ones who could make the most, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, clickbaity articles Yeah, are the reviewers because they'll, they bring in revenue versus actually get a a useful documentation of the material out there. Cause that, that seems to be secondary in most cases now. And so you have to, but I think it's also creates like, Job security for people on YouTube who do genuine reviews or mm-hmm. people who have their own blogs that you can trust because they played the game for more than two hours. You know, Steam looking at you because you got two <laughs> hours on my mind right now. But, you know, what's what's the limitations or like what's what's the criteria for somebody to even be, you know, a, a useful critic, aside from biases, because everybody has their biases.
0: Sure. But
2: to somebody who we can trust to objectively look at a game and give it, you know, a score that's meaningful mm-hmm. and a review mm-hmm. that'll help you make a purchase or, you know, just know if the game is good. Like, why is so that, here's, you know?
0: Here's a few thoughts. First, I will say that I think scoring, I've already made this clear in general, but I think scoring games or movies or anime or whatever is stupid. I think putting a number on it is. At best, meaningless, and at worst, misleading. Um, I think there's better ways to communicate whether a game is good or not. Anyway, uh, so it seems like we're discussing that, in my head, it seems like there's there's, I think, two axes that we should consider for games journalists, right? And one we just talked about, which is like, the experience and expectations of a real gamer, like someone who sits to play games, to have, Mm -hmm. to have fun or for whatever reason, someone plays games Mm -hmm. on the other, you know, on one end of this scale on the other end of the scale would be a critic, a professional critic who plays games uh, to, to make a buck uh, reviews them for a buck. And it reminds me of, have you guys seen Watchmen? I know you've read it, Brad. Uh, Watchmen the movie. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. So in that, in that graphic novel, Dr. Manhattan is this human who essentially becomes God. And what happens to him is that his perception completely changes. He, uh, he's able to see like his entire, all, the, he experiences all of time simultaneously. So for him, everything is the present. Um, and he always, he already knows everything he's going to know and everything he used to know he's experiencing it all at once. And so he also and he also like loses his, his I think ability to empathize with humans because he sees the vastness of the universe and the tininess of the universe and he's like, Oh, human life is meaningless. Yeah. And so over time throughout the story, he becomes less and less like attached to humanity and it really makes him suffer as much as someone like him can him can suffer. And I wonder if that's kind of what it is like for game journalists, where it's like you have to play so many games mm-hmm. and you have to play them so quickly. Ooh. that like that's the problem is that their experiences is totally detached from the human experience yeah. <laughs> the human nah. gamer experience yeah and i'm like even if someone who loves games right like someone who grew up playing games like if we became game journalists i wonder if we too would become apathetic you know dr manhattan lookalikes as we <laughs> slowly <laughs> lose i mean think about yahtzee who does a uh, zero punctuation Oh man, i commend him because it really feels like he still loves games but he blows through them so quickly and i like i wonder if he has time to really enjoy the games yeah and i wonder how long he'll last before he kind of becomes like desensitized towards the things he has an eye for like game mechanics mm-hmm. and stuff so maybe not but
1: yeah i think that's on the yeah go ahead continue
0: on the other hand, I kind of feel like he maybe has gone too far. Like, he only focuses on games, mechanics, and flaws. And then people who are maybe just more casual players and just want to have fun, you know, he says, oh, this game sucks. But they're like, I had a great time. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's kind of, you it, it's, know, it's, has that problem in a different way. It's
1: interesting because, like, Yahtzee, for example, who's been around
0: forever, man. I This guy yeah. is, like,
1: the jump. I would say he's a game reviewer. And yes, I think he's a journalist by nature, but I think that he is fundamentally just like I play games and I give you my personal opinion on it and I give you what I think is hilariously bad. And, you know, he's witty and he's very good at what he does. And then then there's what I would say, like game journalists who do game reviews. And I feel like game journalists who do game reviews are truly the Dr. Manhattans. Like, because
0: yeah, yeah, sure. they,
1: they have to kind of, I don't know if they have to, but they do look at things kind of as in, like, a third person. Like, it's kind of like people who work in the news, right? 18 people were murdered today. Like, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, who can s- just say that? You can't yeah. just say that. Like, um, unless you've removed yourself from it. Like, you're different. You're not. Yeah. This is just news. This is information. More people have died today. You know, and I definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, it's interesting because. I think as the craft goes on longer, it has to have a higher standard, right? Or or it creates sure. a higher standard or whatever. And I think in mm-hmm. the industry, the standard is getting higher and higher for game journalism as far as like, well, I don't know about that. But I'll say that the standard is different than it was back in the day. Uh, because, yes, there's the click like, I, like, n- nothing at, like, Dexerto. But, like, I'll read some of their articles and I'm like, I don't know if I can... Like, I like some of what they talk about, but a lot of it is just, <laughs> like, pure garbage. But, um, like, they, they created, like, for example, let's take Game Informer because I think they're a good example. Like, I've listened to a lot of their podcasts. I've watched a lot of their videos. And something that they've made very clear for years is that how they assign game reviews is based on what somebody's expertise is, right? So, for mm-hmm. example, there's a guy named Matthew Cotto, right? He does all sports games because he's a sports games guy, right? Mm -hmm. Which is good because it gives him insight because he knows what sports games are. He knows NHL and MLB and NBA, right? And he's a sports person. So he kind of can speak to the avid sports fan, but his... He can't really speak to the average person who's just like, oh, should I check this game out in general? You right, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And then there's Yeah. And then I know every company has a Dark Souls dude now. Dark Souls <laughs> gal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You much, know what I'm yeah. saying? Like somebody who's all about that from sauce life, from soft life. And I feel they like We were getting burned. Yeah. Like it's it's just like it's it, because it's kind of its own game mechanic <laughs> or, or genre almost. Like and people love it so much. I, I just feel like people who review sir, cert- if you're in a certain space, you're mm-hmm. you're kind of tainted
0: because you can't look at it completely like from the, from outside, the outside perspective. You know, it's ugh. that's actually the second thing I was going to say. The second axis was like your your niche. So I feel like everyone has games that they like, and they sh- I was going to say. That people, I mean, journalists especially, should just stick to the games that they know well, and they should stick to the games that they like, or maybe not that they like, but yeah, that you know something that they're experienced with. And no, no, that's not exactly what I was going to say. What was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say you should you sh- as us as consumers, we should follow the journalists that we trust for a given genre. Mm. Mm. You know, so like maybe Yahtzee let's not talk about Yahtzee. So Arlo, Arlo's a YouTuber and he's really big into Nintendo games. Nintendo. He loves Pikmin. He loves Metroid. He he loves, uh, what just came out? Um, Metroid just came out. Um, uh, he plays he, oh, Pokemon. He loves Pokemon yeah. You know, he's, and he's the kind of guy who like, he's willing to get super hype about something, but he's also willing to call out Nintendo. And so, I feel personally that when it comes to Nintendo games, I'm willing to not maybe, maybe not trust his judgment entirely but at least to listen to his input and see what he thinks about something yeah um and so like he's my nintendo guy right yeah but i wouldn't necessarily go to him for reviews on uh sports games sports games exactly although interestingly enough he just released a review of elden ring and he says that he loves it Mm. so that's that's, for me that's exciting because i'm like like what you just said He's more of an outsider when it comes to Souls Like games. His first Souls Like game was one of the Dark Souls that came out on Switch. <laughs> and he said he liked it, mm-hmm. but now yeah. he's playing Elden Ring and he's like, this is bananas. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. I think we should have a guy that we trust for genres and then we should have a guy that we trust for not genres, for outside the genre. So,
2: one thing that I find hard to, I guess, kind of deal with, with. Guys on the scale, like Arlo, where they have this expectation, I guess, um, you know, being an authority in this space, just because what little I know about how these partnerships work between these game reviewers and oh. getting review copies and all the hurdles they have to go through with the publishers. Um, the guys who do before you play, uh, they they kind of hit me in a bad way, or oh, uh,
0: b- before you the buy, they had, uh, try before you buy, and they have the thumbnail where they always have yeah, do with his hands outstretched, and they just replace the face with whatever character.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think I want to say it <laughs> was Game Ranks.
0: It might be Maybe. Game Ranks. That I think it might be Game they Ranks. do that show
2: at least too. That's them. Um, but. It might have been before, but it, but it what really got me was their review of Cyberpunk. Um, okay. It was very because the real reviews were out at the same time. Their review hit, and so it was definitely that scramble of who can get theirs out first. Yeah, you know who can make the best headline to top to rise to the top. All those different things, and they were one of the the channels that I would watch frequently. Not not a lot. But um, their review for Cyberpunk, if I remember it correctly, was mostly positive, mm-hmm. in the wake of Cyberpunk just demolishing expectations. Bomb. Yeah, completely bombing. I and, did just
0: check; it is Game Ranks that does that.
2: Yeah, and so, and I've had this like experience with a couple of different YouTubers where, you know, it's almost like they signed some sort of agreement that they wouldn't say anything bad about the game or anything negative at all and for me i don't go to journalists you know exclusively or anything but i think there's like a level of trust that i just can't seem to maintain with the with the people who seem to be too close Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. releases and too close to the the publishers and so lately i've been sticking with the people who post a review four or five a week after like skill up Or somebody who actually plays it and reviews at the same time, Corey Kenshin, you know people in that vein where they have no affiliation, they're not part of the hype train. They play the game for hours and then give you their honest take.
0: And and that's that's actually I will I know you I know you weren't attacking Arlo specifically, but I will say that Arlo is one of those guys. He's usually complaining about games because he has such high standards Mm -hmm. for Nintendo games. Yeah, definitely not in their pocket.
2: I, I forgot to circle back on Arlo. Yeah. And so the reason why I couldn't watch Arlo, because I, I agree. Yeah, he def, he um, he spends a good bit of time, and his videos are long, and they show a lot of in-depth stuff. But he is a bit, um just from what I like to watch, he is too much of a Nintendo fanboy for <laughs> me to, uh, I guess, yeah. be able to relate a lot of the time. Because he'll forgive things that I'm just like, yeah, your bias is getting kind of in the way. You already said night. He, he tells knight. you when he's...
0: He tells you when he's forgiving things, you know, like if he complains about something that I also could complain about and then he's like, Oh, but it's fine. I get I'm giving this game a 10 out of 10. Like that's fine with me. I don't need to give the game a 10 out of 10. I see the thing. I see that the element that I would complain about is there. So I have, I have been informed, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't necessarily care about his end rating. So I want to hold. I want to actually, what you
1: guys are talking about right now about uh, trusted reviewers. I want to come back to this uh, because I think it's interesting how it affects how you understand reviews. But I did want to talk about what you just mentioned, Kyle, about how. So I was going to say this earlier because I think Steve was saying something, but like it's like re- remembering that like game journalism it's kind of subject to the game development industry as a whole, particularly like marketing and like publishing side. Right. Because in order for you to get an early copy for review that comes out on day one, you have to have a positive relationship with somebody at X company, right? Like if it's Nintendo Mm -hmm. or Sony or whatever, and it has been well known in the past That some companies make you sign documents that say you cannot talk about this aspect of the game. You cannot talk Mm -hmm. about this aspect of the game. And you can't, you know, they won't outright say you can't give it a bad rating. But they have created certain mechanisms that say, hey, let's say, for example, it's a Metal Gear game. I don't think they've done this, but say it's Metal Gear. Big game that everybody wants to play. If the, the Konami or I'm sorry, Kojima was like, yo. You're not allowed to talk about this, this, or that, and this. Are you going to go against them? You're going to go, okay, I won't because I want to, as a game journalist, because this is how I make my money, drop this day one so I get all the clicks yeah. and the views. you got to so, comply. Exactly. So it's kind of like there's these blinders that come from an industry that is fundamentally financially attached to the other industry, right? Like, it's not like yeah, unbiased. It's symbiotic. Yeah, symbiotic. and. And YouTubers like Corey Kenshin and, you know, the people, different people who are very popular from time to time, I have noticed. For example, I like Corey Kenshin a lot. And he recently did a review. He recently did a kind of playthrough of what, which which Far Cry just came out? Six? Like, I can't even remember. Mm. It's like Mm -hmm. 12 now. And and the thing is, he's playing Far Cry six and he's being Corey Kenshin. He's just making fun of it and goofing off. But... He was very clear that he was kind of sponsored by Far Cry, right? So if you're a a viewer of him, you got to go, okay, he's going to, if he's being sponsored by them, he's not going to bad mouth them too, too much. He might joke off and, you know, be Corey Kenshin, but like. They're also cutting him a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is... They get paid. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you work for a company. You can't really... You know? And I feel like that's the problem I have with game journalism. And and I kind of like what you said, Kyle, where you kind of wait until, like, somebody releases their review or their opinion, like, weeks later or days later. Because you know that person is playing it at their own, you know, kind of discretion. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's unlikely that, you know, some company's going to pay them to release it late because so guess what if your game is garbage you want people to get as many positive reviews out early before right. <laughs> people realize your game is garbage and they can't return because yeah, <laughs> exactly. Steam said it's two hours and it took them two hours to go through the tutorial <laughs> you know <laughs> right and those
0: are yeah, the
2: refund waves and stuff they want to avoid that yeah exactly
0: it, se- it seems like they uh, the meta for us as consumers and I hope you're all listening super agile nation is Not to patronize reviewers who use day one or you know uh, who get pre pre copies basically because yeah we're we're incentivizing that part of the industry like you should rely on the reviewers who buy the game with their own money Mm -hmm. and you know they play it on their own terms and they review it on their own terms Uh, so give them clicks yeah and don't give the other ones clicks yeah make make it you know vote with your clicks basically vote with your clicks
1: you know it's (laughs) it's funny because like if you think about how many games have day one patches right like like almost all of them so it's kind of like how do you even like give an accurate review of a game that on day one is dropping a patch to fix a whole bunch of stuff or add content it's like i feel like it's it's I don't know, and and maybe game journalism can't survive without the day the day one drops of reviews. You know what I'm saying? Like like maybe maybe it would thin the herd and maybe that would be a good thing, right? Get rid of the hacks in the industry and and those who are actually the
0: journalists or the game, the developers? the journalists.
1: Like the journalists who only the who only thrive on access. You know what I'm saying? Like they have access and that's their benefit, you know, like that's the only thing they give. They don't have actual like good value value outside of their access you know like
2: i I because that is that's a huge thing in this information age is like leaks and spoilers Mm -hmm. and so like to me an early review copy is like the next best thing if you're the first person to have a copy and can share an image or footage of something then that is and, and that's how you can provide value then even if your quote unquote reviews and everything else you're doing is like damaging the industry you'll thrive like you're saying because of that access it's it's and so i don't i don't know what it would take to kind of make it to where like just visual um having that having the advantage of just being able to show it to someone i guess can be taken out of the equation yeah
1: yeah, it's hard to say because I do think like in journalism in general, being the first person to, you know, be um, on a particular story is important. Like, I don't know if it's important, but at least it matters because you set the standard or you're the person mm-hmm. who everybody reads because you give the most up to date, you know, oh, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I feel like game journalism falls into that same problem of, hey, like, we have the first take and, oh, look, on my Twitter account, we have the first image of the the box art or who's the first person to break the news? Because if you think about Twitter, like uh, Twitter, like it's the person who says it first, who seems mm-hmm. to get the most retweets and likes and all this stuff gets the amplified message. So I feel like, yes, yeah, a, a particular it's an incentive to a journalist to like, yeah, I'll, I'll do what you tell me, publisher, for the benefit of you know, clicks and all that jazz, you know, comment first on YouTube videos. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one thing I did want to say is, is ask you guys, cause, cause it's interesting here. You guys talk about Arlo cause I, I'm not familiar with him. So how do you guys like choose who you go to, to like listen to for reviews, for example, like, mm-hmm. is it, is it based on their content or is it based on like, okay, I'll just speak on me first. Like, for example, like, I don't like I like Omni, right? You guys heard me talk about Omni a lot, right? He's a YouTuber. He's not really a reviewer of anything. He's just like a commentator, right? But I do yeah, yeah. like
2: Daily News.
1: Daily News kind of guy and he's normally like he's on the twitters and you know, he follows all the stuff and he knows all the internet lingo and stuff going on that I can't
0: keep up with. He's like a he's like a toned down Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms in terms of like in yeah, terms he, of the variety of content?
2: <laughs> yeah. He's a lot like, you uh, know, like radio DJs who would also tell you what's going on in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, he, but he, he sticks with mostly like internet. Culture. Yeah, he's like internet. Mm-hmm. He's
1: internet culture, and I'm an internet person who just doesn't have time to do all that stuff, right? So he's like, he's a good place to go to get, oh, this is all what's happening. Oh, Corey Kenshin did this. Oh, Jake Paul said this. Did it? You know, like all that stuff, right? And I will listen to his opinions on games a little bit. Just because I know that he kind of has a similar, he like likes games that I like. You know what I'm saying? Like, So yeah. if he likes exactly. something, there's a chance that I'll like it. You know what I'm saying? So it's not yeah. really about him being a journalist or him having a good critique. It's that. You like his taste. Exactly.
2: His tastes are similar to mine. and
0: That's what I was trying to yeah. say earlier.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's me. a great point. I think that definitely does matter cuz I mean, you know, I think that's the whole reason why you would want to have, you know, on top of I guess having people who have expertise in areas, like maybe somebody's good at a game and but that isn't their preference. You know, you wouldn't necessarily want that person's review either because I mean, they could tell you, "Oh yeah, as far as, you know, the game mechanics, I play games like this. I'm good at them. This one's hard." So that means it's a good one because it'll challenge you because it's supposed to be a challenging game. You know that maybe that's a that's a positive side of the review. Maybe that's you know information that's you know good for someone. But I guess if you're looking for a well-rounded review, you wouldn't want an individual like that. And so to find someone who has the same interests as you, I think that goes a little bit deeper because they'll probably highlight the same things that you'll gravitate to. If you did right. play the game yourself,
0: that's 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 what I meant earlier. Is having someone that you that you like for a genre. I guess I really should have been saying for taste. Right? Yeah, I know Arlo likes a lot of the games that I like. Mm. He he. I don't think I, I. don't think I like Paper Mario as much as he does. I never played Paper Mario, but like, seems pretty cool. They're good. I think if I had to play, I would. I would certainly enjoy it. People just on top forced. Of my list. You know, he loves Pikmin. I used to love Pikmin. He gets ultra hype about Metroid. I love getting hype about Metroid. <laughs> hey. So, I mean, for me, that's why that's why I care about what he says. Um, and to answer your question, Brad, how I pick people is basically what will happen is I'll be looking up reviews for a game that I like or that I'm curious about, mm-hmm. and I'll see reviewers. And I, t- I think I gravitate towards what feels like personal channels. So like not game ranks mm. who do a ton, not, not like review, not channels that do a lot of like, not journalists, Yeah. Basically, yeah. you know, things that feel personal. Like, Oh, this is just me and my review. Uh, so I gravitate towards them. And if they're reviewing games that I'm already interested in, and I like that the, the way the review went and I feel like, Oh, this was well thought out, blah, blah, blah. Then I will keep going back to that person. Yeah. For later games.
1: You know, you know what? The only downside of like following people who you like have similar tastes with is that if that person is not a, I guess you could say like an open minded person, you may not experience Mm -hmm. games that you might like that that person doesn't, you know. So if a person is like, oh, I'm a Nintendo person only, like maybe there's a game that you know arlo would really really like on you know the xbox or the playstation that since you follow him you never get to see you know and the benefit of sure you
0: have to have a variety yeah exactly
1: And and the benefit of broader gaming journalism is that there is a like wider birth of content so you know in game informer when i was younger i would i'd read the magazines cover to cover right and i'd I'd literally read everything like everything and Mm. i think that allowed taught me you know how to like see other games that might not be a game that i'm interested in like oh it's some kind of weird sim game or oh it's some kind of weird sport game you know like something that i might well i like sport games i guess back then but like i'd be like oh this is interesting. This might have something that I like. Let me check it out. Let me, you know, let me rent it at Blockbuster. (laughs) Oh, Blockbuster. But, um, Um. you know, I feel like that's something that I feel just, like, in general, how the internet is is that it's, like, a lot of echo chambers. So you don't really, you know, like, there's people who, like, hate certain games just because it's cool to hate it, and they've never (laughs) actually really played it, but they'll never play it because they hate it. You know, it's like, what are you talking
0: about? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> like, y- I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a concern. But, I mean, there's so many, there's so many games. Yes. I feel like, too many even far. if I said, I'm only ever going to play 2D platformers for the rest of my life, I would still have too many games to play.
2: Yes. You'd never play them all.
0: Yeah. So I'm like, that's a, real, that is a concern, but I'm also not that concerned about it. And Plus I have friends. I have people that have different tastes than me. And they kind of fill those blanks. I try to follow uh, a variety of, of sources for learning about new games. So I mean, you have to you just have to be cognizant of those biases and those and those tunnel vision scenarios.
2: And what you just said just made me think of something, Steve. Is uh, because I I'm in i I'm in a similar boat. I have a, a very large like backlog of games, uh, games that I've received somehow or got because I wanted to play them Some. somehow <laughs> yeah, just, you yeah, know like, they sure found them up. in my backpack just, after
0: school one yeah. day <laughs> I just happened
1: to be in Target and then all of a sudden I had 10 games in my bag I don't know what I yeah, had, don't ask <laughs> you
2: know and you could have one if you play your
0: cards right uh, but, but you can't play your cards because I have them in my <laughs> backpack think, is this your card <laughs> 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 but uh,
2: what was that um so, I, I think I think one of you guys said it, I don't know when or where, or if ever. Or but, why. Um, it was something along the lines of, if you're playing games that you want to play, and you're enjoying yourself. Like, even if you're not staying up with the trends, you're not playing the most, uh, you know, like the newest games, then that's, like, what matters. And so, like, to bog yourself down mentally by looking at your backlog and saying... I'm never gonna get to this game. I'm never gonna finish that game. But you're enjoying the game. You're playing. It, it kind of does yourself a disservice as far as enjoying the experience you're having. Mm. And it kind of backtrack a, a bit. This might be where your friend is at as far as like playing these old school games. Yeah. I, I I agree that you know broadening your horizons could be a, a beneficial thing. But at the same time, I guess the other the other side of that coin is to play games for the sake of playing games because other people are playing them yeah. versus playing the ones you enjoy playing it doesn't make a whole lot of sense either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: yes and no.
2: Ooh. Uh, Let's
0: hear it. So here's here's my experience, right? Uh, I pretty much only did that for years. Like I didn't care what anyone else was playing. I just did my own stuff. Now look I at you. I only played single player games. What I've realized is that, at least for me, it is really fun to co-experience things, right? I think some of it is FOMO. Mm-hmm. We're like, "Oh, this game looks so cool! All my friends are playing, it, and they love it. Oh, I wish I could play it too." But I think maybe related to that, but not exactly the same, is just the fact that, like, it's cool to sit here and talk about, like, you know, we're going to talk about. We talked about Hades mm-hmm. in the past. And as much as I love gushing about a game that I've played and being like, "Oh, like here's all the things I like about it," blah blah blah, it's even more fun when one of my friends actually picks it up and plays it afterwards, and then we can keep talking about it, like, "Oh, this happened and this happened," and we can be like, you know, it it it's a connecting, it's a way to connect with people yeah. for me. I was just posting on Facebook earlier today, like I love sharing music with people, mm. and God, I hope this never turns into a music podcast. Honestly, please, please. I know you've never mentioned it, but I just want to go ahead and put that out there. I don't want that. Oh, well, surprise, so- surprise. Guess what the <laughs> next episode <laughs> It's going to be our, uh, we're going to become pitchfork. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I was just saying on Facebook, like, I love sharing music with people that appreciate it. And then later they're like, oh, I, really, I listened to that album. It was sick. How's this album? You like this? Like for, So <laughs> I do think you should play what you want to play. And if that's enough for you, like more power to you. Mm. Sometimes that's how I feel, but I also like I, a lot of the issues is like, man, Elden Ring looks great. All my friends are playing it now, but I don't have time to play it. Yeah. I would rather be playing something else. That's real. So, so I mean, yeah,
1: I, I think it's like it's a very human thing, right? Like there, there's definitely the FOMO share things. There's definitely the FOMO, like you said. But I think really more importantly, it's the shared experience. Like we're, I mean, we're all going to be kind of playing God of War in the next you know, coming weeks to like month, right? And though it's like a really old game per se, like it's new to us, right? Like I beat it recently mm-hmm. and you guys haven't really played it. And all of the experiences are fresh and new. And when you play a game kind of in a vacuum, all those experiences that, oh man, that experience was really cool or that really happened. Not that they die, but they have nowhere to go right? And yeah. it's really fun to be playing a game, like like if I was playing Chimera Land, like, it's a multiplayer game, right? But if I was playing Chimera Land by myself and then I told Kyle about it, and then Kyle played it later, like, it would be a cool experience, but it's another thing for us to be playing Chimera Land at the same time, even if we're not playing together, because it's like mm-hmm. an experience. It's very like deep and it's like being a kid again. Like I remember going to school, we I was playing Zelda, and I'd be like, "Yo, son, I just got to that part with this," and my friends like, "Yo, that part is so hard. Did you see when this happened?" And we're like in the moment together. But like if I played a year later. Like, oh, did you guys play that? Oh, yeah, we already played that. You know, it's not something you want to talk about because it's, like, the past. And I feel like that that's an important part of gaming, too. And yeah. you just got to find... If that means playing with everybody on, at the, wor- on, on the world <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> then do it. But if that means playing with your group of friends, do it, too. You know? Play that
2: game. Play with them, you know? I think one of the things that maybe... You know, the way they used to capture that with older games is leaderboards. Cause if you didn't have someone you talked to directly, you still weren't playing games in vacuums when in like old arcades. Like some you if you saw the same three letters at mm-hmm. the top of the leaderboard on every game mm-hmm. in there, that said something to you about like this person, first off, they don't have a job. But secondly, <laughs> Mm -hmm. they're bad to the bone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you create this narrative within it and you're like, you're part of their story. Maybe, you know, you could have some power struggle. Maybe you meet them someday, you know, or maybe not. Maybe your group of friends are just like, Oh, I wonder who that person is, you know? And so I agree that playing in a vacuum, even, you know, even just a little bit of some sort of way, because a lot of older games on old consoles, you, there's no interactivity with anyone, but if you could somehow have some sort of community, around the games you're playing, it definitely does enrichen the experience, no matter how small. You know, something that Steve just said like really hit home is like, he
1: really wants to play Elden Ring, but he just doesn't have the time. And mm-hmm. and, and, and even if he has the time, quote unquote, there's other games that he might be actively playing or actively interested in so elden ring has to take a back seat right and i, th- and I think and i think yeah it's not a priority and i think you know maybe that's like the curse of being an adult gamer and but i think it's also just the real reality is that there's just too many games like you guys were saying earlier like there's just <laughs> way too many and it's just obscene like back in the day like Honestly, there was only a few games... Like, you could look... I remember looking in Game Informer, and you could see the games that were coming out on their little calendar in the magazine, and it would just be a little square, and it would say, this game's coming out, this game's coming out, and you would literally know every game that was coming out in a month, you know? Maybe there's some game that, you know, you wouldn't know, but it's, like, rare, and nowadays, it's impossible. Like, Steam gets... Like, I don't know how many game, hundreds of games a day, and they all vary in quality. They might actually, like, 50% of them might be good, but you just don't know. There's just no way. And it's like, how do, like, a, a score doesn't even help me right? Because it doesn't even give me information like oh this game is fun to the one dude who reviews this type of game in this place like awesome. But why should I stop what I'm doing right now to play this particular game? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it might be the quote-unquote perfect game, but it is this the quote-unquote perfect moment for me because it's like 500, Ooh. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I uh
0: that's exactly the issue for me is is uh I'm 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 Trying to play other things.
2: And I don't know yeah, what the uh, solution is.
0: There is there is one other issue that maybe we should move on to, and that is performance.
1: Performance, what do you mean?
0: Right? So
1: Elaborate.
0: <laughs> I wanted to bring up, this is something I wanted to bring up when you mentioned the topic. So Elden Ring got like perfect 10 of 10s across the board. Everyone loves it. And not just the critics, but also a lot of like the user reviews on things like Metacritic. Like everyone loves the game, but something that's been that's come up, at least in my world recently, is that the game has major performance issues. Well, maybe not major. I guess it depends on who you talk to. It has noticeable performance issues Mm -hmm. on most of, if not all, of the platforms that it's currently released on. It's pretty. And a lot of people. Yeah, and a lot of people are wondering, like, okay. So these reviewers, these journalists, came in and gave this game a 10 out of 10. Uh-huh. Why didn't they mention exactly. the fact that, like... That's what I've been trying to figure out. You, and for a game like Elden Ring, which you... I mean, a lot of games are like this, but Elden Ring is one of them. You really want it to be stable. Yes. Maybe you don't need 60 frames per second, although it'd be really great. But it's an action game that relies on, like, timing, precise timing and not like not necessarily quick reactions but at least precise timing and precise reactions you can't be dropping controller inputs and like stuttering and you know having, having sloppy yeah. frame rates you got you got to you got to clean that crap up yeah so why did anyone mention it
2: that is a great question
1: I I honestly, this is this is where, I mean, maybe I put my tinfoil hat on, but it honestly just feels like it, it benefited reviewers to give it a high grade and not complain about it. Because it's almost like feeding into its own hype for what, what was it, two years in a row? Elden Ring was the most anticipated game <laughs> yeah. of the year or whatever at the Game mm-hmm. Awards. And I feel like as a journalist, and I feel like, yes, I think people like the game, but I think it's like, why even mention this? Like, if we say something negative, we're going to get hate from people who have never played the game because they're so hype about this thing, you know, and you know how the internet is. So it's like, let's not talk about it. Let's just talk about the good stuff and let's rate it how we would rate it. If, you know, to, I don't even want to say appease the people, but to make a easy win from a journalistic standpoint i think that's what happened a happy story. A happy story and and there's nothing wrong with the happy story but yeah it's super like like number one if did nobody play it on pc like no journalist because i, I just all the things i've seen on the Maybe. pc side is like okay like somebody had to be like Okay, this is significant enough. Like, any other game, if they released a new James Bond game, and it was dropping frame rates, and every time a new item li- loaded into the world, it dropped frames, they would knock the score for that. No matter how good yeah. the James Bond game was. Because it's just not... I, I just feel like there's some, like, dirty pool. And then, like, like I was talking about Omni, and I shared it in the, the, the Super Agile Bros Discord just a few, like not too long ago, he was playing for five hours on the PlayStation, right? There's apparently supposed to be autosave, or maybe there isn't, or there's some kind of glitch. Something. He thought there was autosave. I mean, there's, there's no supposed auto to be autosave from what apparently it's a glitch or something. And you have to quit the game, like manually, in order for it to save, right? And his power got turned off or something. Like, I'm assuming he has a cat or something. I feel like it was his cat, but he didn't want to say oh. it. <laughs> uh, or he tripped or something. But um, he lost five hours of gameplay progress in mm. in an instance. And then this little menu popped up at the very beginning of the game when he reloaded his game that said, make sure to quit to the menu. Otherwise, it might not save. And it feels like the type of thing that they, they saw it was a bug. And they were like, yo. We can't fix this right now. We need to get this out the door. Put this little yeah. dialogue cuz this takes 5 seconds. Do it at the very beginning of the game where it won't affect any code and like most people are just going to skip through that and not notice it. And this man lost 5 hours and of his moments life. It's almost like this. They're like, "Well, it's in there.
2: It's at the beginning of the game."
1: Yeah.
2: I'm like, "How it.
1: did hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of journalists nobody go, "Oh yeah, this you like, "I didn't I lost some progress and the game is a little glitchy here and the frame rates and like it just
2: it just seems like a I don't know man, so what I think may have happened is kind of going in line with your idea, you know, no journalist wanted to be that you know that tenth dentist that doesn't approve the <laughs> and and but another thing that they do is I know they did this for cyberpunk um the reviews were like uh not sterilized, but they had to there was a certain certain conditions. That they had to meet to play the game. like Their their PC had to be at a certain level. And they could only review it on PC. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. That maybe. Because I haven't heard anything otherwise. People haven't just been playing it on. Weren't playing it on their own console. They couldn't have been. Like you're saying. They couldn't have been before the reviews. Maybe they went somewhere. Or received a version of the game. That did run perfectly.
0: Hmm. Oh a a review copy. yeah, A review copy.
2: And so. To them, they had the game that everybody else wanted, and reviewed that.
0: That's another reason you can't you can't trust their early review copies because who knows what version you yeah. get. That's why I love unrelated to video games. Um, uh, I think it's Gamers Nexus. They they uh, work on they do like PC parts and hardware and stuff, and I'm pretty sure that they order. You know, they obviously they order all their parts but they've specifically had situations where they have to interact with a distributor or, you know, whatever the OE the people who didn't gener- who create these, this hardware mm-hmm. and they don't tell them who they are because they don't want special treatment. And then only if, only if like things have to be escalated, they're like, don't you know who I am? And then they embarrass them. Cause mm-hmm. Like it took you this long to fix this issue. I think new Egg got caught doing something by gamers Nexus because, uh, you know, they were giving them the runaround and they were like, actually, we're gamers Nexus, And suddenly everything worked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: wow. Anyway. Yeah. It's like a blind, you need like a blind. <laughs> like you can't. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 def, like that review copy thing does bother me because, like you said, because like if you have a controlled audience, right? Say there are a thousand reviewers, like mm-hmm. ma- let's even make it 10,000. If you say to them, hey, we're going to send you an early review copy. You have to play it on a PlayStation 5. And we ask that you just remember. And, like, they even add a note. Remember to when you quit the game to save. People mm-hmm. sometimes forget to do that. Right? Those little... Dee, 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 like, just dropping that little thing in the pool can completely, like, negate any problems that the millions of people might encounter who have yes. different, you know... Skews of PlayStation Five, different setups and mm-hmm. you know, and it's like once again, like, you know, what do you call it? Tipping the scale, right? To your favor. And I don't know, like not that I've lost trust in FromSoft, but I just don't know what's going on with that. Like this this just very
0: strange to me. Like I'm not that hurt about it. I think it's a normal thing. I think that I don't know. They dropped a few balls for sure. I don't think I'm not giving them a pass, but I don't feel as hurt and em- embarrassed on their behalf as I do for like maybe CD Projekt Red, who really, really not just dropped the ball, but I would say even actively misled people. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think FromSoft, from soft from soft is just playing the game. You know, <laughs> playing <laughs> the yeah, they're just trying to make it work. But this, but Nick, I, yeah, go ahead. Silent.
2: Yeah. I'm just saying. I guess one of the differences, I guess, CD Projekt Red did is that they were vocal and they like lied to everyone's face. While FromSoft, I guess, at least from from where I am, they've been relatively silent aside from you know dropping trailers and building the hype. And even after I guess these negative reviews, I haven't seen anything that says that they've commented or you know said that they were aware of anything that they're going to fix anything. So sometimes, I mean. The silence kind of works in their favor as far as, I guess, getting even more of a pass in a way. It's like they're not actively betraying us, so. I yeah. mean, they don't have to lie.
1: They they have the most anticipated game two years <laughs> in a row. Why say anything? Like, like right. logically, just release the game. It doesn't say anything. Just don't talk about yeah. it. Just release a trailer here or there. Like, like you know cd project red or whoever any other game company they gotta drum up you know i mean no man's sky right you gotta like drum it up to get people to purchase it because the hype train but like they just had the hype train on accident (laughs) just because i mean of course on their past performance like them you know like they are yeah on on their pedigree but like the only the only reason why i don't let these things pass is because it's just like what happened with day one updates. We let somebody, we let one of the bigger games, like this is a long time ago. I remember Mm -hmm. there was a controversy about a game doing a day one update and everybody being like, Oh, but you know, this company's cool and it's all good. The game is still great. Mm -hmm. You just need to have internet connection, which was expected anyway. It's all good. And all of a sudden it's the rule not the exception, yeah. and it's like right. you once the company once other the rest of the industry is watching, they're paying attention. It's like, oh, if you don't say anything, if you yeah. already have a positive, just just drop it, and then yeah. you know, like I don't. Not that it mm-hmm. will necessarily happen. I just feel like you got to have accountability, you know, yeah. in some capacity. You know,
0: I will say that everyone I know who's playing the game loves it. You know, so. Even if the reviewers didn't feel the need to say something, maybe it's because, I mean, well, I think that that decision is also being reflected in the reviews I get from my friends who are like, yeah, it is a mess a little bit, but I fixed it enough or yeah, it's a mess, but I don't care. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep playing. Mm -hmm. And these are not, you know, easy people to please necessarily. So I'm, I mean, I'm still, I, 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 do hope that they fix the issues. It's not, when I said earlier that this was an issue that I wasn't going to get it because of the performance, I was kind of exaggerating. There's other reasons I'm not going to get it for now. I do want to get it someday, but people like it. So I'm, that's, that's part of why I'm more comfortable giving them this pass this time. And I think that what happened to CG Project Red was enough of a warning to the rest of the industry <laughs> that, yeah, like, you know, everyone's watching and they got, they got rocked. By, so, it so like, uh, you know, I think that was a good I thing. I mean,
1: people are always doing that, right? What was the game before that? It was uh, uh I, Steve. I'm not going to say the person Rune-Scape. person's name, but it was a friend of ours who pre-ordered a game that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what game is that? You know what I'm talking
0: about. No, no, no. I don't know the story. I just heard pre pre-order They pre-ordered
1: ordered a game
0: <laughs> and, and it was, oh, you know who I'm, I do know who you're talking I about.
1: I do know who you're talking I, I'm about. Try, I'm um, trying to remember the game. It was game anthem. anthem.
2: It was anthem. anthem. God oh, bless. Man. <laughs> I, it might have happened with Avengers too to somebody that you know. To you? Was it you? Kyle? <laughs> oh no! No no no! <laughs> I was, I was like, I, <laughs> like asking for a friend.
1: I caught you. I, I caught you, a- I caught ask, you playing. Asking Avengers. for a friend. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I did play it months after it was like when it was like seven dollars.
0: Yeah, you should have known better.
2: Uh yeah, I feel like that's uh I, I just going back to the
1: story. I remember actually the moment it happened. We were at our place, me and Steve were living together, and well, I keep saying living together, it sounds weird to say that. We were roommates. Why? <laughs> we were cohabitating. We were co-habitating. <laughs> <laughs> but um we were all hanging out, and we were talking about games, and it was right in front of my room. And I think uh-huh. this particular person was about to leave, and I, we were just kind of like, oh, yeah, just kind of wrap it up. And then I was mentioning some game, and they said, yeah, um, I actually pre-ordered Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, you know, it looks so excited." And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to be super real with you. <laughs> He <laughs> needed to cancel that. <laughs> I was like, man i I've been watching that game for a minute, and from the the day they dropped it at E three, I knew it was like not <laughs> legitimate. I no. I would just be like, temper your expectations. And he was like, well, you know, I I I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't I, I want to temper my expectations, but I think you know I, I'm excited for it. And I was like, and the next time I remember, I waited. Uh, I waited quite a while, <laughs> and I said, "Hey, man, we never talked about Anthem." <laughs> and mm. they were like, "Like they didn't even." <laughs> they were just like, I don't want to talk
2: about it, and I was like, "Cool." Oh man, <laughs> that man, that game. I think I really
0: think crazy. the situation, my experience was that I was making fun of it or mentioning some meme about it or something. He's like, "Yeah, I pre-ordered that." <laughs> oh. <laughs> You know, and he has such this, he has, he has like a, a very interesting uh, affectation he does. It's like this like depressing, like Charlie Brown, sad <laughs> yeah. note, sad, sad music kind of thing he does. Yeah. And you had that out in full yeah. force. Uh, it's like, yeah, I pre Yeah, I think that, that was, like, I think oh, that's sorry. the exact
1: thing that happened. Like you said that and then we were like, mm, I don't <laughs> know. Because we were all standing there because it was definitely, you must have done it because I definitely didn't bring it up. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, touchy subject Poor guy. Um, but yeah I mean I think that's just like yeah you know I think the industry overall is pretty smart so like I don't necessarily think oh, oh I was gonna say this I will say this just as a general gamer I have a mm-hmm. lot of grace for performance in games like that is not nearly the most important thing to me like I think I mentioned this in the discord but I never had a good computer ever growing yeah. up. So, like, I remember I had to play Guild Wars, the original Guild Wars, on my computer mm-hmm. at the lowest possible set. Everything turned down. And it still was, like, 15 frames per second. And I yeah. still played that game. So Oh, yeah. and a mess out of those games. And I remember in college, my computer wasn't as good as everybody else's computer. And I didn't realize that YouTube actually ran... At like 24 frames per second. (laughs) Or 30 frames per second. I was used to seeing it kind of choppy. And it wasn't. (laughs) Live shows. Yeah, it wasn't until I saw it on somebody else's screen. I was like, hey, what's wrong with your computer? Like, I thought something was wrong (laughs) with their computer. You know. It's too smooth. (laughs) It It
0: looks too good. I was like, are you
1: doing some kind of weird like V-Sync on the video? (laughs) You know, I was just trying to figure out what was going on. And so I think uh, out of the box. Like I would play Elden Ring, and I probably wouldn't even say anything about the frame drops. I'd just be like, I just play it because I'm expecting it. I played mm-hmm. Bug Snacks and it had frame drops, so like oh I don't expect, yeah. it, <laughs> you know, Elden Ring to be perfect. But I think the problem is you told me it was perfect, you know, you told me, and you didn't even mention it. Like nobody even said
2: anything. It was just like, mm. and that's my yeah, problem. It it feels underhanded on the other side of it because I guess the expectations. Because I think somebody mentioned it earlier, if it was Goldeneye and it had frame drops, frame drops, that would have affected the score. And so, like, the idea, I think, is that if a game, like, in order to be perfect, the performance has to be at a certain level, too. Like, that that's not something that you would forgive and still give it a perfect score based on the criteria that other things have been harshly or mm-hmm. negatively impacted by. Yeah. And so it's like it's a it's a it's a disconnect because like maybe if it if they didn't like the I don't, I don't I don't know what else I guess could fit in something that would be forgivable to not impact the score, but certainly. Well, I would the say, performance I would, say this. would be
1: one. I think Steve made a good point that they might have right right been on a different version, so maybe they didn't know it, right? So I'll give them that. But the other thing is I would say that Breath of the Wild wasn't perfect, right? Like in the sense of no. frames, right? But I think One thing about it was that even while I played the experience, yeah, it happened from time to time, but it wasn't, like, something I expected or wasn't consistent. It wasn't happening all the time. And I think... (laughs) That's a good point. And I think, like, a game doesn't have to be perfect. Its performance doesn't have to be perfect, but I think that when you have an issue that's kind of systemic feeling, you know, like, just always happening, you know, like, Breath of the Wild, yeah, like, if you have, like, a whole bunch of bombs go off and, like, a whole bunch of people around, like, yeah, okay, that makes sense, like
0: this Mm -hmm. is just if you're in the the lost but like if
1: you're just running through the field in elden ring and i guess the frame drops then maybe you're a little bit like why why would you do that that feels weird you know
0: so i think there's another difference a major i would say several more major differences about legend of zelda one uh you're right that it's only in certain areas like in the lost woods with all the Koroks around and stuff really bad for some reason it just chugs in those sections but usually it's like really clean um the other issue is that zelda isn't really that impacted by frame drops like oh it's not as pretty oh, i guess it's but it, it, like it doesn't the gameplay doesn't require like precise timing as much as much yeah the other other thing zelda doesn't have a performance mode right like in playstation you can turn for elden ring uh you can have it like pretty mode where i think it's locked to 30 frames per second or on, i don't know what it is i don't I haven't researched it but there's a performance mode that's supposed to lock it at 60 frames per second at the expense of the visual fidelity mm-hmm. and people are playing in performance mode and it's not locked at 60. Mm. That's so a like problem. that's an ex yeah. that's an express that's a uh, a promise that has, has been expressly broken. Mm. Yes. The other 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 <laughs> How many others? One more. Other. Is that Legend of <laughs> Zelda is playing on a five year old chipset on the Nintendo Switch, not on a beefy PC or a PlayStation 5 PS5, right. that runs Ratchet and Clank at like 120 FPS or some crap, you know, like. Beautifully. That's not the. We, we don't expect Legend of Zelda to have perfect performance because it's on That's Nintendo fair. Switch. That's <laughs> fair. We don't expect we, <laughs> any game. Well, matter of, of on fact, the we expect yeah. it to have lower
1: performance. That's a part yes. of it. <laughs> matter
0: of fact, exactly. <laughs> have a low when performance people, mode. <laughs> when people showed off clips on YouTube of, of the frame drops and stuff in Legend of Zelda, they weren't making fun of Nintendo because of the software. They were making fun of Nintendo for the hardware. <laughs> Got them, right. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the difference. That's, that's a good point. That's good. <laughs> I never thought yeah, about it's it that much way. <laughs> unanimous. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, so there's really no excuse for the performance to be that wonky.
2: I think that's another thing too. Is that this next generation of games, as they call it, hasn't been consistent on the hardware front, and it's been it's been very odd because. Wait, what do you mean? Well, a lot of a lot of the games that have been coming out on you know the P- ps5 and the xbox xx x, x, xbox box box x uh have like <laughs> <laughs> you had a had did you just have another stroke what just happened <laughs> no that's the name of it that's the name of this one isn't it yes uh, the fridge the well. marketing team had a stroke yeah uh the, the but from what i've understood maybe i'm wrong about the xbox side of things but at least on the playstation a lot of games have had performance issues Mm. And so it's not like abnormal, which maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but I don't remember this being like a huge thing on like generations before where launch titles and early releases on the new consoles, especially ones that have a version on the last gen console have run poorly. Well, am I remembering that incorrectly? Well, I think, I I think, yeah, go ahead, Steve.
0: You want to, you want to go
1: ahead? Yeah. I I was going to say is that it's okay. To me, especially early in the console, early on releases, like that's, you know, people are trying to figure out the hardware, right? So it is what it is. Like, it's just a part of it. And yeah, people complain about it. It does come up. It does happen. But I think what really makes this stick out more is that like the PlayStation 5 has been around for a while, even though people haven't been able to get a hand on it. It's been around for a while. And Elden Ring represented one of the first real Next gen games, right? Like, it's supposed to be the next gen, you know? And I think, especially it's been around for a while, I just feel like it just, it just had a higher expectation, like Steve was saying, you know? Like, people, and especially since, I don't know, like, i it, you just have, there's a certain expectation from FromSoft, number one, but also it's just like the anticipation and how good it looked and it's running on this hardware and da da da. I just think. I just think the expectation is different. I don't know, Steve. What were you going to say?
0: Um, I'm not sure if I remember exactly <laughs> what I was. Going yeah, to I say. Already forgot. So I, I, I usually I, I've been pretty good about not forgetting what I was going to say. but It'll come I back around. To, I line. said
1: everything that you were going to say, so that's why. So so we're we're kind of like coming toward the end of our discussion, but I did want to come back to the concept of our own perfect game. So I want to ask you guys oh, if yeah. you guys had any games that you personally rate as a ten out of ten. I know Steve, you don't believe in rating games by numbers, <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's I, interesting. I, sure, but a
0: perfect a perfect game I can get behind. Give
1: a hide the concept <laughs> of the perfect game, but it's interesting. But I, I I also think it's interesting that like of all all of us, I would say that you're the most uh, have an affinity for numbers, a hey, hey, doing physics and. Probably being good at math. <laughs>
0: that that's the trick. Actually, I have, I have an affinity for letters. That's oh, why I did physics. <laughs> it's, y all, it's all coefficients, coefficients and, and sigma
1: and psi.
0: <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I don't speak Greek, but I, I can, can read, read it. it. But
1: um yeah, so so what's your ten? Uh, any your perfect game? You know, you guys have one
0: uh, that comes to mind. Can you think of a perfect? Steve, game? I would say Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight you knew what's coming. I don't think any. I don't think anyone's surprised. Yeah, what game is that? It's the one with the bugs. Oh, it's, it's dude oh, a dude with bug snacks. Oh, is that I the, the dude that. who
1: has a bucket on his head <laughs> or something like that? I don't know. A <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Hollow Knight is essentially a perfect game, uh, and especially by the the you know the the criteria that we came up with earlier, which is that it it's, it does what it sets out to do. All the, dis- I think all the decisions that were made regarding the, you know, the, the development of the game were essentially perfect, were, were good decisions. And I think the implementation of the decisions was essentially perfect. I think the difficulty is great. The music is just gorgeous. The art is gorgeous. Uh, all the bugs are either cute and endearing or kind of terrifying. I mean, I've had legit experiences playing this game. That I'll remember probably f- for a long time. Uh, and it's only $15. Hey, a
2: steal. It's a steal.
0: It's honestly a steal. It's $15 at most. It's, sometimes it's on sale.
2: Okay. I'm Man. Oh, awesome.
0: Oh, also, I got a ton of free DLC. <laughs> and free uh, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. Okay.
2: Um, yeah. So I have... What I consider to be a perfect game. Um, It's not a new game, but it was a game that was a it was a fantastic sequel. It had great multiplayer, both local and online. The gameplay holds up tremendously to this day. It was
0: oh, it, it aged well. It
2: aged super well. There were you know like little glitches and bugs, but nothing game breaking, and a lot of them like positively exploitative because. The developers knew a lot of them existed and you'd have to do like crazy things to get them to work. And so in a lot of times you could exploit them to find secrets within the game and stuff. But I think I have to say for me, perfect game was Halo 2. Oh, okay. That's a really continue, interesting take. Continue. Yeah. And so maybe it's a bit nostalgia. Continue, please. I won't stop. You. <laughs> well, not, I wasn't going to stop. Interrupted. So. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> uh, i don't have a whole lot more to say i mean i don't, I don't intend to like defend my decision but I, th- I think i think the criteria on what makes a game perfect is in itself subjective too and so i guess based on what i value from a game both um logistically if you will does the game did the game hold up for its time? Does it hold up now? Ish, uh, you know what my experiences was, what my experiences were with the game. It, you know playing the game relatively recently, the last couple of years. You know was was my experience still good? Was it how I remembered? Did they improve upon the game in later releases? Yes. Do I think that affects that game in a way? Yes, because it shows a lot of things where it that it missed, but. I think, in its own right, it's a perfect game for all intents and purposes. You know, going back to, I guess, the main piece of criteria for me, it did not set out to mm-hmm. do what it intended to do. I give that a yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> it didn't finish the story. Finish the
2: fight. I'm
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it never stopped. Um, no, that's, that's real. Uh, I think, you know, I think a game that I never mentioned. I, I don't think I've mentioned it on any podcast so far. And maybe I'm wrong. If I did it maybe it was like in a moment where I passed out and I was speaking in my sleep. But like is a game that honestly might be the game that I've spent the most time in on in my life. Stardew Valley. No, not Stardew Valley. <laughs> it's it's a game that to this day oh my goodness I said to this day. Uh to this day, um, <laughs> to this day. that has a like If I am in the right setting, people mention my ability with it. And uh, Steve probably knows this game. But um, it's Super Smash Bros. Melee.
2: Melee.
1: And Melee, in many ways, to me, is a perfect game because it delivers exactly what it's meant to do. Like, putting you in a place where you can play with your friends... That you can play all these different characters, it, it almost is like an infinite game. You know what I'm saying? Like you can pretty much play it forever as long as you have people who you want to play it with. And I think for me, particularly because I played the original Smash Brothers on the N64, I had super high expectations, like uh, through the roof. Like there was only the only option they had was to fail me, <laughs> and they yeah. they succeed. They went they went beyond my expectations and on and on, and I played it for hours and hours. It's a dark part of my life, because I played it so much, and my grades were so bad, and I, you know, like, it, it, it was just <laughs> really, really bad, and... It was a dangerous game. It was a dangerous game, and honestly, the only reason why I probably don't play Smash Brothers Melee anymore is because of the community, because the community is so toxic, and I just can't I can't have that energy in my life. But I just loved (laughs) playing it. I loved meeting new people who played it. I loved like somebody telling me, oh, I'm good at this game. And then let's see what really happens, you know? Or meeting that secretly incredibly good person who you've Mm -hmm. never heard of, or the person from another college or another state. Or it was just like this universal experience. And I think the game, as much as Nintendo never wants it to be like a competitive game, which I can I can understand. Yeah. It really brought the collaborative competitiveness to the most real level I've ever played, where you're literally trying to beat up all your friends, but you're having fun doing it, you know, in the best way. So yeah. That's that's
0: I mean, that was my introduction to fighting games. I feel like Smash sixty four technically came, you know, was first, but like melee was when it got it felt like it got mm-hmm. huge.
2: I played yeah. melee first.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of depends on when you, like, I, I still to this day remember the commercial for the original sixty four one. You it said it's me and you, it's you and me. <laughs> that <Yeah>. commercial, used <laughs> those, to, those costumes, used to give me chills. L- watching it now, it's such like a like <laughs> cheesy like they're wearing costume. You know what I said? It was like sinister. Yeah, it, but it was like, what is happening? Why did
0: Kirby just? you know tr- I mean there was so much <laughs> potential for lore mm-hmm. <laughs> in world building and that in those yeah so, ex- so here's a question do you feel like looking back on melee especially compared to newer games that are like objectively better but also like looking back on melee and just seeing how buggy it is right like I I follow this youtuber and he just breaks down like all the really fun and interesting and weird bugs in mm-hmm. melee like does that detract from your idea of the perfect game you know do you feel like smash bros ultimate being it generally like i'm all right i said it was objectively better it's better <laughs> in almost every way yeah. there are probably some ways that people like melee better but in a lot of respects it's just building on melee so does that make you feel like it's not the perfect game anymore or is this like what does this come from i, I think
1: in are saying ultimate it would be a better version i'm assuming um
0: yeah, I won't say brawl. Yeah, because brawl is brawl way too much and didn't give us
2: any... Yeah, Brawl's the best version. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> project M is the best project version.
0: Project M
1: is probably the best version. But um, I think it's interesting because during that period of time, like I think glitchy games was kind of the standard. <laughs> like I sure. think it's hard for me. I'm like trying to think back, but I never saw glitches in. Pretty much any game, unless it was, like, soft-locking my game or breaking my game in a way that, like, fundamentally I couldn't play it, did I see it as a detriment. I actually kind of saw it as a plus. As <laughs> a, a way. quirk. Yeah, as a quirk. It's something that made it have personality. And I think, actually, the reason that Melee is the perfect game is because somehow the glitchiness of the game actually made it better. You know, like, wave like, wave dashing and all, I mean, L canceling, everything that is like
0: pretty, I mean, pretty much. Those are those aren't the glitches I'm talking about. I'm talking about like.
2: Game breaking stuff?
0: Yeah. Things like, um, Luigi having an invisible barrier over his head. If you do some arbitrary sort of action. Yeah, yeah. Oh.
1: But, but that's the thing. Like that's to me, like there's plenty, like there's the black hole glitch. There's like the. Pikachu uh the no the uh Jigglypuff 999 glitch like there's a lot of
0: stuff but the hole in the middle of Pokemon Stadium but a
1: lot of those glitches number one you had to be in a very very particular conditions and you had to kind of like I don't know be kind of crazy to find them and also most of those glitches didn't affect the get this moment-to-moment gameplay like I knew I knew about yeah, a lot of them fair. and all my friends knew about them but like you would literally have to get all your friends to help you to accomplish a lot of these glitches you know you wouldn't and, experience them yeah you wouldn't experience them and then the ones that were in the game really just became gameplay like I'm t- like l cancelling and wave dashing all those things are like yeah. those are not supposed to be things <laughs> if
2: they were repeatable
0: yeah but repeatable I, mean, glitches. I wouldn't
1: count them as glitches I know they're not intended behavior yeah but I mean they're not to me, it's a glitch if 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 you're not supposed to be able to do it. <laughs> and, They're just repeatable, you know, and and you can use them to your benefit. So yeah. I just think that that endeared the game, and I think the glitches in general were never like game breaking. And also, like I <laughs> okay. said, during that period of time, I think I I was a lot more gracious <laughs> toward glitches. I think I like them still now, but you most of them were yeah, just game breaking. I had a
0: I- I had a lot more affinity for games that were were like funny and goofy. I remember playing iNinja and there's this dumb it wasn't a glitch, it was a cheat. But it would just make his bet his it's it's the art is like kind of chibi, chibi ninja kind of character. But you can make his head humongous. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think it even made his hurtbox humongous too. Like it made the game worse. Oh. But it was still so fun to big, play. Big, <laughs> I missed the day of cheats, man. Yes, cheats are gone, man. Big head
2: cheats invincibility cheats yeah. infinite cash cheats all of them man like the the input having to input them mm-hmm. it was just so satisfying like it was the yeah. whole experience like at the time it was annoying but once they took them away it's like we didn't know what we had man and could- cheatcc.com i remember <laughs> game facts yeah game facts For game facts that's where, where i got online to. from <laughs> or i'd buy the little booklets oh um, i like got a- a thousand and one cheats or whatever
1: <laughs> the thing is like game informer had cheats in the back but it never was for a game that i had it was also like random no. game. i was like in i'm like i gotta get lucky <laughs> i'll
2: remember this <laughs> you know oh and um game
1: sharks game Those sharks yo crazy. one of my friends mm-hmm. had that and we would just go crazy with that thing man yeah i think i think that was like in the days where like there were so many barriers when i mean barriers i mean that literally like Physical barriers, like invisible barriers, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. sky. So, like it was just cool to like, like, would that game boundary break or whatever? Like, it was kind of like cool to experience that in the real world. And also, I think games at that time, not that they didn't take themselves so seriously, it's just that they weren't designed in a way that if you all of a sudden gave somebody invincibility, that the game would be broken. Like it would just continue like normal, you know. But I feel like you couldn't use some of those glitches. In, like, say, God of War, because you need to, at certain moments, like, since it's kind of like a immersive cinematic experience, like, you can't <laughs> not have Kratos take damage or, you know what I'm saying, or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, so, yeah, that's that's it. No, that was a good question. I never thought about it that way. But, um, but yeah, so, well, I mean, all I'm going to say, guys, is that um, clearly our podcast is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> and the, mm-hmm. and the perfect 11 out of 10. We've done everything we set out yes, to do. Yes, we did. We really <laughs> did. We covered everything. This this will actually be an accurate representation of what we said we were going to talk about. <laughs> and um but yeah, I man, I, <laughs> I I think overall, I mean, you know, once again, perfection is subjective. 10 out of 10 is subjective. But I think, you know, it's it's just interesting what game journalism has come become over the years What games have become. I want to have a whole discussion kind of about like the idea of like games becoming more open but less free. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like
0: No, it makes no sense. Yeah,
1: like you <laughs> you can play a game like Breath of the Wild, but in this open world, but you can't like experience it exactly the way you wanted to. Like you can't force yourself to have the cheat codes. You can't just be like completely free. You're always kind of like limited you always have to play by the rules of the game Um well back in the day you could just Play a game and just like you said Big head mode like imagine Zelda Breath of the Wild With big head mode How awesome that would be <laughs> you know Like it's
0: I'm sure there's a mod somewhere
1: <laughs> for it And and also I did not want to make a promise to you Steve About the music podcast Um we will do that But the only song we're allowed to review Is Treasuring You by Namata <laughs> Treasure <laughs> you And that's the only song we can review on our podcast I found I found is that, is that a song about booty? <laughs> you said what?
2: <laughs> I found It's
1: actually a Sea of Thieves theme song So um, Treasure
2: <laughs> tre- <laughs> Sea of
1: Thieves <laughs> But um, And
2: Soul Pumpkin Pumpkin Soul Pumpkin Pump ah,
1: ah, ah. From Overblood 2 Overblood 2 Those are the only songs we can review um, So it, it'll be the best But <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's just wrap this up. So, number one, uh, thank you, Kyle, for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, Always a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. 10 out of 10. 10 10. Thank you, Steve, for your time.
0: Don't thank me. Thank Nintendo for sponsoring this this piece. piece. (laughs) Uh, Breath (laughs) of the Wild 2,
1: the best game that you've yet to play. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, uh, I'm going to say this real quick. On Twitter, somebody posted, yo, they just released... The Breath of the Wild's new, oh, new song, you know, and it was just a troll. I was like, y'all wrong for that. But, um, uh, Breath of the Wild 2's name, but anyway, um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was so good it though, good. like it was perfectly timed because they <laughs> would do something like that mm-hmm. on the tail end of Elden Ring being made. like
1: this 100%. So, it was, yeah, it was their so, um, anyway. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Super Agile family, Super Agile brothers, Super Agile sisters. As always, we really appreciate your listening. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate our Discord. Shout out to our Discord. Um, oh Discord! It's, it's been a good time talking, chatting. Uh, the next wave may be coming soon, so check your inbox. No, uh, <laughs> we don't know. We're gonna we're gonna figure that check out. Your, don't, check your check your DMs. I'm, just, don't, don't I'm not thousands. making promises. I'm just kidding. check your inbox. I'm saying check your inbox. You might have email. Listen to Steve's
2: <laughs> new single.
1: I'll define this. I was just saying that password. as a statement. Check your inbox. You may have mail. <laughs> but. Anyway, from someone but anyway um, no thank you everybody thank you for listening to our show it's a blast we enjoy talking about these topics if you have any suggestions or things that you'd like us to consider talking about once again we can't promise that we'll talk about everything we barely have enough time to talk about Keep what them we are face. talking about <laughs> please you know leave them in the comments send them to us on twitter at the SAB Podcast, and of course drop them in the discord uh, thank you so much for listening and as always y'all take it easy
0: peace